Because Battlestar Galactica is a rerun this week, MuggleCast 36 for April 23, 2006. CYGoodaddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now with your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Visit GoDaddy.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Sheen. I am Eric Skull. I am Laura Thompson. And I'm Jamie Lawrence, lost again for the second time tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Jamie. We love you, Jamie. Jamie. Uh, as everyone knows by now, this is the show where we're bringing the latest in Harry Potter news, theories, discussions, analysis, whatever whatever you want to make of it. It's all right here. All bundled into one hour. Ben, we finished each other's sentences now. I know. Our relationship is growing. It's meant to be. <laughs> Before we go anywhere else, first let's check in with Mike Tannenbaum for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Warner Brothers announced earlier this week that the IMAX version of the fourth Harry Potter movie has grossed over $20 million worldwide. These earnings make the film the first digitally remastered 2D IMAX release to reach such a milestone. And speaking of movies, last week we confirmed the U.S. release date of Order of the Phoenix as July 13, 2007. We've now learned from Warner Brothers that UK fans will be seeing the film on the same date. Other release dates include Australia on September 6, 2007. France will get it on July 11th. Ireland and Norway on July 13th, Hungary on July 19th, and Bulgaria on July 20th. HPANA reported Tuesday that Nicholas Hooper, one of the UK's leading media composers, is set to compose the soundtrack for the Order of the Phoenix movie. In 2004, he won the Best Original Score BAFTA for The Young Visitors and was nominated several other times for the prestigious awards. However, this is yet to be confirmed by Warner Brothers, so stay tuned for more information. And Jim McManus is set to play Aberforth Dumbledore in Order of the Phoenix, confirming that Dumbledore's goat-loving brother will indeed appear in the fifth film. Rupert Grint, along with James and Oliver Phelps, appeared on BBC Radio 1's Joe Wiley show Wednesday morning, where they discussed the filming of the fifth Harry Potter movie. Be sure to head over to MuggleNet.com to listen to the full interview. The Sunday Times 2006 rich list of young people in the UK placed Daniel Radcliffe at number nine, with a net worth of £14 million. That's $25 million. The list determines the richest 1,000 British people or families by identifying their wealth in terms of property, assets, or significant shares in companies. J.K. Rowling topped the list of the film and television millionaires with an estimated worth of £520 million, or $926 million. Joe has been listed on Time Magazine's poll for the top 100 most influential people. Each week, visitors can vote on a different category, with this week's being artists and entertainers. Joe is up against the likes of actor George Clooney and comedian Jon Stewart, so be sure to go vote. J.K. Rowling has donated a major sum of money to help create a research center for multiple sclerosis in Edinburgh. The figure, which is undisclosed at this time, will help fund the over £2 million project at the Centre for Regenerative Medicine in Edinburgh University. Scotland is the MS capital of the world, with around 10,400 sufferers. David Thewlis talked with This Is London, Richard Griffith spoke with the New York Post, and Rupert Grint with Alloy Magazine recently. Be sure to head on over to MogulNet.com to read these interviews. And speaking of Rupert, the actor who plays Ron in the Potter films will be in New York to review a screening of Driving Lessons at the Tribeca Film Festival. The screening takes place on April 30th at 8.30 p.m. That's a week from this Sunday, and tickets are only available at the door. That's all the news. All right, thank you, Micah. Now moving on to some announcements. Don't forget, buy your MuggleCast t-shirt, and you will fit in at your school. And also, please, everyone, express their interest in our Show Us Your Character sweepstakes over at MuggleNet.com. Basically, what happens is you make your own Harry Potter impersonation video. So send it in to ShowUsYourCharacter.com, then send us that link over at MuggleNet.com, and you can win some awesome prizes, including a Harry Potter iPod. Yay! So visit MuggleNet.com and click on competitions at the left for full details. Uh, Jamie, do you want to do a contest reminder? Or? Yeah, I will, yeah. Please look in the show notes for a link to the competition that allows you to win a place on the podcast panel at Collectomania 9 where we will be interviewing and talking to Robert Pattinson, James and Oliver Phelps, and other Harry Potter stars, hopefully. And you also win a Gold Pass ticket, which basically allows you free reign over the entire Collectomania event 
worth £175. So please enter. And also, if you want tickets to the podcast, please do email me because I think there are some still left. Thank you. £175. That's that's uh, pretty heavy. <laughs> that is pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time for a big old birthday wish to our very own Eric James Skull, who turns 18 this Sunday. The 23rd. Aww. 18 April. That's right, Andrew. Yours truly, the caption man, is the big 1-8. He's legal. Starting. You uh, are legally... Legal what? I don't know what you're saying. Uh, that's okay, Andrew. You're a little too young. I can't explain that to you. I'm still little. <laughs> Eric, I hope you get some good presents. Send Eric some presents, if you love him, to uh, the MuggleNet. MuggleCast P.O. Box at... Ben. P.O. Box 223, Moundridge, Kansas 67107. All right, now it's time for this week's listener rebuttals. The first one comes from Kristen, 17 of Massachusetts. She writes, hey, this is Chris from Massachusetts. I just wanted to point out that technically there was a 16-year-old Voldemort. In Chamber of Secrets, Tom Riddle says that he was called Voldemort by his closest friends when he was at Hogwarts. So there really was a 16-year-old Voldemort. People just hadn't heard of him yet. Thanks. I love your podcast. Do you, know, do you know what's weird, though? Do you know what's weird, thinking about that? Um, what does Voldemort translate to mean again? Was it flight from death? Is it Voldemort? Flight from death, yeah. Yeah, flight from death. Well, he must have thought about his, his horcruxes then and put significant, you know, thought into them. No, no, actually, thinking about it, do you think the flight from death means that, you know, uh, after he tried to kill Harry, he flew from death there? Or which thing do you think it relates to? Because... I think it re- relates to him being immortal. Immortal or... Then yeah, he must have very automatically... Uh, Came up with. He, I mean, he must have had his plan by the time uh, he wanted his friends to call him Voldemort, or he couldn't have adopted that name without realizing his etymology. Uh, that's just like saying that he wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be a Latin major, you know, and, or wouldn't be, you know, how he could come up with that. I don't know. Does you know? I I tend to think that the whole Voldemort meaning flight from death is one of the uh, Rollingisms, where Rolling put it in, and we know the significance of it, and that's why it's cool. But I don't. I don't necessarily know that, you know, Vol- Voldemort was, you know, Tom Riddle was sitting there like, okay, with a Latin dictionary. No, 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 it's French, it's French. Voldemort. Oh, oh sorry, French. Um, More is dead. Well. He went, he just went on calleviewwizardnames.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's an excellent <laughs> no, site. No, I, I mean, French, I do recommend I it. mean, I, I'd like to think, but yeah, at the same time, I don't know. I think the whole fact that Voldemort means flight from death is just one of those cool rolling things. Um, so I'm trying to guess... I guess I'm saying that he chose Voldemort without knowing that, but that's kind of a stupid, weird thing to do, you know, to rearrange yeah, the legend true, of yeah. Voldemort. It, without, I don't know. This is Well, no, actually, I'd have to uh, agree with Eric, because I don't think that people in the series name themselves or their children specific names, thinking that, you know, it has some kind of mythological or, or tie through a definition to them and their personality. I think it's just something that Joe does. Voldemort liked, like, you know, uh, trophies and stuff, and... I think he'd have liked his name to have had a deep etymological, sorry, etymological uh, grounding. Sorry, it's late. I can't even say that. Uh, so I think it would have appealed to him. And I, I agree with I, I agree with what um, with what Jamie's saying because oh, thanks, ben. when you name a kid, when you name a kid, you don't know what they're going to become. Voldemort knew that he was going to try to cheat death. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense that he put yeah. na- named himself that. Yeah, that, that. I, I can go with that. I'm trying to remember. Didn't. I think the point of this email was that last week we said something when about... Voldemort come around, did we, or something like that? I can't remember. Right, yeah. It was, it was a like dueling that. club. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. But what I refer to Voldemort as is, like, the modern-day Voldemort. Yes, I agree, yeah. Not the, when he was I 16. So, when he's 16, I still think he's in the Tom Marvolo riddle stage where he's sort of a, I want to be Voldemort. But then after, then later on when he starts developing his following, that's when I sort of see the, the real transformation happen. Because at the time he was still he was still a student and he was still learning and I don't know that's just, and he had really hadn't went on a rampage yet. That's just the way I look at it. So I, I would think of Voldemort as beginning after he did all those uh, yeah definitely to change yeah. his face and you know to change his appearance and when he came back to Dumbledore asking to teach it at Hogwarts. I think that's probably when he was Voldemort. All right, now moving on to the next listener rebuttal. This one comes from Zach Twenty One of New York. Uh, he writes, hey guys, love the show. My question is really a statement disguised as a question. Ooh. With all this That's talk about whether or not Snape is evil, isn't it obvious that he is good based on the first book? I'm talking about the Quidditch match where Quirrell is trying to knock Harry off his broom and Snape counters that and saves Harry. Quirrell was doing Voldemort's bidding and Snape completely messed up his plans. I disagree with this for two reasons. Firstly, because Snape 
Snape didn't know that Quirrell, that Voldemort was on the back of Quirrell's head, and he he perhaps he perhaps thought that Voldemort was gone for good, like some of the other people thought. So he wouldn't really try to combat them. And secondly, he had, he already the reason that he tried to save Harry was because he owed yeah. a debt to Harry's father, just that. like something like mm-hmm. we, like in the end we may see Peter Pettigrew betray Voldemort. Because he owes a debt to Harry. That's what I'm saying. And the, the, Joe's mentioned throughout the series that when you owe a debt to someone, it's it's like very strong and very binding. So I think that makes sense. Even if he did know, which I don't think he did, that Voldemort was in the back of his Yeah, head. I think that's also like asking. Um, well, first of all, Snape, I think, himself saw uh, Quirrell as greedy or, or you know, just wanting the, the stone for himself. I think that's what Quirrell said. Quirrell's own words were something like that. Uh, that he didn't know about Voldemort being on the back of his head. But also, I think it's like asking why Voldemort would take Snape in and let Snape be on his side after the events of Sorcerer's Stone. It was kind of like asking that question because, you know, you think with Snape uh, confronting Quirrell that Voldemort would never trust him again, you know, because he would have seen him approaching Quirrell and trying to stop him, all that stuff. But... Snape does but, ditto a debt to Harry, and that's it's, it's basically that. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the same time about when you said that that Voldemort would hear what Snape said. Another thing you have to remember is that basically there are a a large amount of people who were originally loyal to Vol- Voldemort that broke that loyalty oath and basically denied that they were ever yeah. on his side. And you, so you know there was the Malfoys, Crab, Goyle, all of them who denied it. Going from that. This kind of thing transcends the good versus evil debate because uh, obviously Voldemort supporters don't think they're evil; they think that Dumbledore's evil. And I'm sure it's possible to be in between Voldemort and Dumbledore and not be evil and not be good. You know, you, you, you're just neutral, like amoral. I mean, amoral. No, no, no. But obviously, Snape is a supporter of one or the, the, the other side, but he's still a teacher and he has a duty to, pr- pr- to uh, protect his students. If he sees Quirrell trying to, to not carry off his broom. He, he has a duty, foremost and, uh, as a teacher, to stop him doing so. I just think... I mean, I know that he told um, Bellatrix in uh, London that he couldn't kill Harry because it was right under Dumbledore's nose, but it could just be that, you know, he he has responsibility as a teacher as well. So he could be on Voldemort's side, but he's still... You know, his loyalty to Voldemort doesn't extend to being really evil and just killing students. You know, he still has a loyalty to them. I don't really want to exacerbate the the Snape conversation too much here. But my my question here is, do you think it's possible that Snape is on his own side? He's not good, he's not evil, he's just working for himself. Well, you've brought that theory up before. What I wanted to say, though, because of this, in reference to this rebuttal, uh, you know, he's asking if... Uh, the fact that Snape saved Harry this time, if it means he's good for good. Uh, what I wanted to say was just in the whole book, you know, the whole book we're led to believe that Snape is evil, and it turns out he's not. You know, it's. I just wanted to ask the question of, you know, does that mean Joe's fooling us so that he can actually be evil later in the books, or do, is that <clears throat> truly a parallel where we'll always think Snape is bad and it'll turn out he's Yeah, that, could, that like, could be it as well. But if he's in it for himself, what does he have to gain from this? Ultimate power over Voldemort, or what? Well, just just staying alive. I don't. I don't think he's in it for himself. I really don't think Snape is in it for himself. A lot of the. I think Snape is too uh, well educated to be in it for himself. Or or he's well educated enough that he can play the game and play both sides well enough that he eh, possibly. All right, that wraps up this week's listener rebuttals. Now, um, we've been doing this for the past two shows, and we've gotten such great feedback that I thought we should spend another 10 minutes or so on uh, the book 7 movie five release dates because don't you mean like it's just so interesting can we do 20 <laughs> can we do 20 minutes yeah 20, 20? minutes you know give <laughs> well, what do you guys give, think 20 maybe? give the fans a treat give the fans a treat actually I think we spend the rest of the show no I, I just think show. it's yeah <laughs> let's just call it re- release date cast we only talk yeah. about release date. <laughs> Alright, well, actually, guys, we're just kidding. We got plenty <laughs> we of got emails about some people, that. <laughs> some people enjoyed the discussion, but some people thought it was, we overkilled yeah. it. And I I thought it was an interesting debate. I, I did, mean, too. But <laughs> we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess it's one of those discussions where, like, it's only interesting to some people if you're actually involved. Or, oh, yeah, but, but a final thing, just one final closing point. You have a on release that. date. For oh, that. No, no, hold on, hold on. J- Joe probably, they probably take into account when Joe is going to 
release the book, and she probably doesn't know yet. So if they say she decides 7707, they'll probably move the movie, and that's all there is to be said about that. I don't know. Good point. Mm. Yeah. They should have made it official. Why'd they go and make it official, Andrew? Why would they do <laughs> no. that? Okay, but we're not discussing this. Anyway, moving on. Now it's time for this week's chapter-by-chapter discussion. Chapter 10 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Or Philosopher's titled Stone. Titled Halloween. Or Philosopher's Stone, if you're like Jamie. You live across the pond. It's only a small pond. All right, Eric, you've been gone for, what, two shows Two shows, now? Two I weeks. think. What have we done with that? I, have I don't been... know how we've coped. It's been different. Yeah, I don't know how we coped either, honestly. Yeah. All right, so there's... Quite a few things that happened in this chapter, so let's get right to it. Last week we were uh, we were debating whether or not Malfoy was actually planning to go and chickened out, or if he tipped off Filch. And I think the beginning of this chapter pretty much confirms that yeah, he definitely. tipped Filch off because it says Malfoy couldn't believe his eyes when he saw that Harry and Ron were still at school the next day. Yeah, that's nice. So I think that pretty yes. much settles that debate. It was just a simple ploy. I stand corrected, Laura. I'm sorry. Okay, on page 164 of the U.S. edition, um, this might be... I don't know if anybody's going to narrate this chapter. Uh, I can't because I'm getting over the flu and I'm coughing. But um, whose phone is that? Anyway, uh, page 164 in the U.S. version uh, is when Harry actually gets his Nimbus 2000 from McGonagall. I just wanted to remark that uh, this letter from Professor McGonagall is pretty useless, considering, like, everybody knows or will know what yeah, Harry gets anyway. Wouldn't it have made more sense if you uh, sent the letter first, sent the note first? Or why not just hand deliver well, it? Well, I, I would have actually just given uh, Harry the broomstick somewhere else. Uh, you know, Later not on, sent, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Held, um, him, I, held him back after a lesson. I think it's possible, too, that they could have sent the... They they could have sent the... Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I think they could have sent the letter first anyway. Maybe they did. It's just the owl who was carrying the parcel was faster or something like that. You know, I, I don't think... But... Well, there were six owls okay, carrying sure, the yeah. parcel. So I guess the uh, letter owl so. was just dumb. <laughs> so sending it through the Great Hall is the one way to ensure that everybody knows he's getting one. I think what she meant was, I don't want everybody knowing that the school paid for your brain. Yeah, I think, I think that's No, but I don't, see how, I, I don't see how even getting you know the thing would... would make them know that or not know that anyway. By the time he plays Quidditch and he's on the broom, they're going to be like, that's a Nimbus 2000. Where'd he get one? He can lie. He, he, he can lie and just say, I bought it. I found it. <laughs> I found it. We don't know for sure who paid for this broom or... Well, we know why, but we don't know for sure who paid for this broom. Right? I think Laura's right that the school had to pay for it, or why would they care that they've got one? Because everyone's going to find out that he's... You know, playing so, soon enough, and and they're going to see he's flying a Nimbus two thousand. Why would it be the entire school? Wouldn't it made more sense if it was maybe McGonagall or maybe the Gryffindor team chipped in to help pay for this to ensure Harry comes on the team this year? Well, I I, I don't think it was anyone specific. I think it was just the school in general. I think it was Dumbledore actually. Oh, I mean, no. it's just money that came from the school. It doesn't matter. Really, specifically, what teacher? Yeah, or broomstick. It was, it was taxes. Yeah, the broomstick fund. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they all uh, the people around the, the students pay all taxes, and then they pay for Harry's broom. So, yeah, it's tax deductible. The broomstick fund. Oh yeah, it is definitely not for profit. <laughs> all right, so moving along, he gets into his Quidditch lessons. Uh, is there anything really to point out here? Only that uh, Wood doesn't know what basketball is, but he gets out a pack of golf balls. I thought that was pretty. Do funny. they have stores then? I don't know how you wouldn't know that. Wouldn't Wouldn't you have some? Wouldn't you go back into the monkey no, exactly, world and yeah. read in the paper or overhear it? Basketball. Yeah, I don't get that. They makes that makes them seem really. That makes them seem really imaginary. Yeah. yeah. Kind of makes me sad. It makes me cry. That's why I'm sad. I don't know. Is basketball big in Britain, Jamie? No, not really. I guess that means Wood didn't take one class. Muggle studies. <laughs> yeah, he did. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, right? Yeah. There, I just made a new fact. Actually, I wouldn't even know that <laughs> Muggle studies would focus on. Uh... Of course, Muggle studies would cover sports. I don't know. You think? I mean, the wizards are completely it's crazy talk. Well, Muggle studies just <laughs> sounds like a sad excuse to pretend they know a lot about Muggles when clearly, they, clearly, the first class, <laughs> the first day of Muggle studies should focus on proper dress. You know how how the guys don't wear the dresses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good point. You know, or, or nightgowns. Eric, that thing you were saying about um, the woods. 
that Wood said that uh, he could turn out better than Charlie Weasley and he could have played for England if he hadn't gone off chasing dragons. Do you think that's foreshadowing? Uh... That after after Harry sorted out all the stuff with Voldemort, and if he lives, of course, he could like completely you know, purge everyone's emotions about the evil versus good and just play for England, play Quidditch for uh, England. No, I don't think that will happen for one reason, which is J.K.R. hates Quidditch. And... Well, I think she does. I think she really does, doesn't she? Didn't she say she was... She said she was really, really, really tired of writing about Quidditch. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. And it was funny because I kind of got, you know, that... that, I kind of got that feeling after, you know, book... By book four, you know, there wasn't Quidditch. By book five, he wasn't on the team. I'm like, wow. But she did write, you know, about so many different games that it's just like she got... You know, tired of trying to find new ways to write about games that, that is true, happened, yeah. That I really don't think, even if she never writes about it, I don't think she'll have Harry going off and playing Quidditch just so, you know, she doesn't have to imply that she's ever going to write, you know, any about any more Quidditch. I, I just don't think Quidditch, That's true, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I don't think she wants to think about it anymore. I think even if Harry had the opportunity, he wouldn't because he doesn't like that, the fame. Is, yeah. mean, he hates it enough already. Why would he want to go become a famous Quidditch player? He loves broomsticks and balls, doesn't he? I think he'd jump at the chance to go off and play Quidditch. I think he likes it, but I think that were he, to <laughs> if he were, if he's going to survive this war with Voldemort, then I'm not sure he's going to want to go play Quidditch. I think yeah, he's no, just I agree. Yeah. Settle down and live a quiet won't. life. Harry's never really wanted to, uh, you know, acquire attention because he's always been provided with it. Uh, I, I really true. don't think. I mean, it's true to say that, like, if he were to go on. Yeah, but if he played Quidditch, he he'd do it for himself, though. He wouldn't. Yeah, well, if he were to go on and be an R, if he were to go on and be an R, he'd probably acquire fame too for hunting down all the remaining bad guys. But I just think I don't think of Harry as a jock. You know, like he's always been, you know, successful and always been a good sport with yeah. things. But to pursue a career where you're just constantly showing that you're a better teammate than somebody else, I think something about that would not appeal to him. Yeah. Yeah. But he's into the excitement, and what other job would he work at? Qu- Quickie Mart. That wouldn't that wouldn't give him so much stress. <laughs> Does he really even need a he job? He doesn't need a job. Well, yeah, he might have enough cash. Yeah. He's gonna die anyways. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, negative. Ben, <laughs> ben, that ben he's that gonna die anyway. To everything. <laughs> Who cares? He's gonna die anyway. Yeah, just say yeah. Just, just say it about everyone that we bring up. <laughs> I love Harry to be a hot dog vendor. It'd be the best thing ever. <laughs> He's so good. Please can he be one? Please, Joe. Please make him a hot dog vendor. So, so Harry, are you gonna go off and uh, you gonna go off and kill uh, Voldemort? Nope. I've opened a pork and leek sausage business just down the road. I'm, I'm gonna sell. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sell loads and make a fortune. Harry's hot dogs. All right. So Harry, Ron, and Hermione move on to the charms lessons where. We see that Hermione is just a big fat know-it-all. Wingardium Leviosa. Wingardium Leviosa. You're saying it wrong, Andrew. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. You know when you do um, non-verbal spells, do you have to say the word in your mind? Or does it just happen? I don't know. That's like saying, you know, it's, I don't know. You have to say it in your mind, don't you? You have to think it, right? There's like this... Yeah, but you have to say it correctly, like, nonverbal spells said wrong, you know, because I, I don't even know. Yeah, but what happens if you just think it? You just think, I want this... I want, you know, this door to open. You just point your wand at it. The thing about Wizard Barufio, I don't actually understand that. Why did he... Why did he end up with a buffalo on his chest? Because he said... I was just thinking that. I mean, okay, everybody, every American... Fl- so it'll be... It'll be... Swish and... Fl- no, swish and... Slick. No, he wasn't talking about the Wingardium Leviosa spell specifically. Oh. He was just being... Yeah. Oh, right. Oh. Okay, cool. And saying the magic words properly is very important, too. Never forget Wizard Barufio, who said oh. S instead of F and found him himself on the floor with a buffalo on his chest. I think it was funny and it was cute, but I didn't really understand See? what that was... That's page 171 no. in the U.S. edition. It was. It's just really funny to contemplate like where S instead of F would have really uh, frewed him over. Or screwed him, screwed him. I tried to make a joke, it didn't work. Yeah. What about also when Seamus got so impatient that he prodded it with his wand and set fire to it, Harry had to put it out with his hat. I'm sure in a future book, early on, it says that Harry had to put it out with his wand, you know, with water. So perhaps this is just showing that Harry doesn't have any skill now, you know, whatsoever. He really is still in the muggle world. Seamus set fire to it. 
I think that was really funny in the uh, in the movie. Good comic relief. <laughs> yeah. Le- Levy O. Levy O. <laughs> um, there's emphasis, strange emphasis on Ron's arms. Here it says Ron at the next table wasn't having much more luck when Guardian <laughs> Leviosi shouted, waving his arms like a long windmill. To so make him look big and stocky like he always is. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Quirrell comes in, screaming, ranting. They sneak off and they lock the troll in the bathroom with Hermione, even though she wants to be alone. They're like, hey, let's go lock the troll in the bathroom with Hermione. And so they do. Then they realize that they're stupid. And then they open it up and try and save her. That really meant something to me because currently in the next county over from me, there is a woman trying to get uh, the Potter books banned from all of the school libraries in her county. And she runs. Yeah. (laughs) And she runs around saying that Harry lies, cheats, steals, and he's not held accountable and he has no conscience and he does all these horrible things. Yet he accidentally (laughs) locks a troll in the bathroom with someone who just annoys the hell out of him. And he yeah. immediately goes tearing back, risking his life to save this person. So you know what? Who, who, he, who he doesn't even yeah. like yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Really. So <laughs> I'd actually be surprised if the school libraries were updated enough to have Harry Potter books. I mean, woman from you know? next county over, you need to get over it. Thank you. You know when Hermione says, um, "Is it dead?" and then Harry said, "I don't think so. I think it's been. Uh, I think it's just been." knocked out doesn't later in the book when they go down to the, to the philosopher's stone doesn't joe say this one was definitely dead do you think it's the same troll that he that quirrell sort of roused for, from his unconscious state nursed back to health i don't think and so then brought down into the you think he'd be a bit stupid after just being knocked out but i think I it's know, a maybe. different troll. Uh, probably not though it seems like it said i'm Yeah, because it seems like Harry said something like, it's a good thing that one's already knocked out because it was a lot bigger or something like that. Good thing we didn't have to fight that one. Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's jumping ahead, but yeah. I think you could be right, yeah. Nice observation. I think it's important to mention Hermione does the unthinkable. And she says that she thought she was cool enough. Yes. She says... I thought I was Little Miss Goody Two Shoes who could handle the troll, so I went looking for it. And Harry and Ron knew that I was yeah. nothing really special after all, and they went and stopped it for me. And so McGonagall, knowing how McGonagall knows that she can take five points from Hermione, give two, give five points to each Harry and Ron, and voila! By the end of the night, five points, isn't it? It's nothing. It's interesting to note too how later in the books the teachers seem to take a heck of a lot more points away. Yeah, that's weird. I remember Snape's like, "You just lost a point for Gryffindor." It's like it's like fifty. Yeah, it was a single point. Fifty points for turning, you know, for saying something about Hermione's front teeth and you know defending yourself against that. But it's it's five points for almost yeah. dying by a troll. Well, I I see what it is. I see what it is. It's that it's all relative because may, maybe some teachers started giving out more points for things that, that were in, insignificant, and so it sort of turned to a competition. You know what it is? It's, Maybe, it's yeah. inflation. It's JKR's way of commenting on the economy yeah, now. It's inflation. Throughout the time, yeah. everything inflates. So, you know, f- 50 points yeah. by book four is the same as five points by book You can get a really good exchange rate for house points. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 50 to Let's the Let's talk dollar. about that for a second. Is it because, is it because maybe Joe didn't take the point uh, system as seriously? When she was originally writing this, I just that could be think it, she yeah. just didn't know where she was going to go with it. I mean, because one point, or or was it that they just went easy on Snape the freshmen? Snape wouldn't go easy like on an unwritten rule. Yeah, that was always the impression that I got. I called them freshmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it's kind of what they are. But they are, yeah. I always got the impression that it was sort of a regulation for teachers to go a little bit easy on first years, especially at the beginning of their first term. One point just seems like well, when you. When then then later on when McGonagall takes away McGonagall takes away fifty points and that's like the big shocker and it wouldn't have been that big yeah. of a shock and everyone wouldn't have been as mad at them if it was a regular occurrence that they got taken away even by the older students. If you yeah. catch my drift. And I don't think the, the the one point that Snape took away from Harry was really about losing house points. I think it was about Snape making a point. Or taking a, taking <laughs> like, a point. I you don't mean, like you <laughs> taking a point. But. No, no, no. I th- <laughs> ha, 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 Ben. I think it was strictly about Snape making it known that he dislikes Harry. 
I think he wanted Harry to know that right from the start, so he was going to find any excuse he could to take a point. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, it didn't really matter about house points. But no, okay, he would take away more points than just one. I think it's just well, the, no, 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 but that's the thing. I don't think it was about taking house I, I points. I agree with Laura, and I have to say that when he did take away more points than just one, when he took away 10 or 20 points, it was specifically so that the rest of the Gryffindors would know that Harry had cost them something and that it was Harry who'd done this, you know, I think at one point in the books it said that you know the Gryffindors woke up the next morning to find that like 50 to 100 points were gone and you know they would wonder why and they would think it was a mistake and then that way they'd be able to know you know that it was all because of Harry so I think Snape you know whereas in the first scene he only took away one just to jab at Harry he takes away significant amounts to get you know Harry's own house upset with him right but about that one final thing about that is Aren't how they, do they know who got the points taken away? Is there like a a log up there? Or no, no, it just spreads around. Though it just spreads around the school. It's just word of mouth. Now here, the last line of the chapter is what I wanted to mention. It's the last thing I have for a note, and it says, "But from that moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. There are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other, and knocking out a twelve-foot mountain troll is one of them." That's another classic. <laughs> I thought moment. that was. That was a brilliant, classic JKR moment. It totally is because it is definitely. It's like is. doing Mugglecast. Yes, <laughs> it's Mugglecast is hell. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just wanted to point out that um, Joe's editors actually were considering cutting the entire troll scene, but she fought them to try to. Oh, she fought to yeah, keep it in the not. book. But it's such a plot. Were they really? Maybe it's such a plot. It's just to establish their friendship, maybe. So, she actually wrote on her website, uh, Hermione, bless her, is so very annoying in the early part of Philosopher's Stone that I really felt it needed something literally huge to bring her together with Harry and Ron. It's a little tidbit. I mean, that's the whole... I can't believe they were thinking of cutting that. That's the whole point of, like, how they... You know, this big boom thing to get them to become friends. And from that moment on, they were... Best of friends. She she helps them cheat on their homework. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's mm-hmm. she just does that for them, and it, it's like this strange bonding experience. I think it was very important to include there because people do become friends for weird reasons sometimes. And developed Harry and Ron too, in that they were brave enough to go and fight the troll. And and they were they took responsibility for their own actions right. by going to find her because it was their fault that she ran off. So I think that was that was big character development, and it Let's really go talk to those editors. Do me a favor. Yeah, I'm glad she fought for that. That would have been stupid. Don't you guys think that would make sense that she she fought to keep it in because it was foreshadowed? I wouldn't be too upset at the editors. They probably had their own reasons. I mean, some editors, you know, obviously didn't realize that Hermione was going to become, you know, this big central character as well. I mean, even if they did, I, I wouldn't be too upset at the editors. They just, they made a suggestion. Now moving on to the general voicemail questions. This first one comes from Allison. Hey Mugglecasters, this is Allison from Fairfax, Virginia, and I have a question for you guys. In the book, when a wizard's wand breaks or gets damaged, they go to Ollivander's to get a new one. However, like Ollivander says to Harry in book one, no two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. So when a wizard goes to replace his wand, what does he get if the first one was the best one for them? Just wanted to know what you guys thought. Love the show, especially Jamie. Bye! The second best. The second best? <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think um, how do you know they actually found the wand that was best for them? When they yeah, the no, first that's right. Time? Because we we know there's like millions yeah, but, of wands in there. Not literally millions, but there's a lot of wands in there. And it isn't like they go through each and every one of them and choose it. I think they do because if you read if you read the book, Ben, that's what Ollivander did for Harry. And I understand Harry might have been a special case. He didn't go through every one that's in the store. Yeah, he did. Pretty much, they they went on for hours. No, they went through them until they until found they one found that glowed one or did, did the special thing. Yeah. yeah, until they found one that worked. And maybe and maybe if you're the book's all about destiny and stuff, so maybe it's your destiny to end up with that one that other one. Maybe maybe the reason the wand broke to begin with is because it truly wasn't the wand for you. Isn't it like um, that's the best wand uh, at that time? You know, and a new yeah. one could come out that suits you. It's like if each person has. 
certain statistics. So say that one person's brave, and br- bravery equals dragon heartstring or something. And and they're also courageous, which equals you know twelve <laughs> inches. And they're also uh, friend friendly, <laughs> which equals oak. You know that would be their perfect one because it matches them in their power. So and like there are degrees of perfection. So say. Harry's holly wand that he has now could be extremely good, but there could just be tiny, tiny changes that could make it, you know, an even better wand or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Mr. Ollivander is very educated with his wand, so he would he would probably pick one of the best ones for the wizard right off the bat. Right? Yeah, I think I think that's it's not like right. he, he I he doesn't have to go through all the wands. He knows he can narrow it down to a group of them. Right. Yeah. He. Had, he has a lot of experience with wands. Unless there's no correlation whatsoever between a wand and who, who it picks. It could just be that one wand likes a certain person just from that. You, you know, if there's no connection whatsoever, then, then he really does ha- just have to try as many as possible. until he. I mean, it's just luck then. It, it could just be luck. Ollivander did try a hundred wands before Harry found the one that, he, you know, the, the, the spindly chair was ready yeah. to break from all the wands that they were using. But it, it yeah. came upon, you know, to me. But is there always a wand for a person or not? Well, I was wondering because Ollivander, he, he, he spends all that time and Harry tries all these wands that, that doesn't work and destroys half his shop, you know, doing it if you follow the movie. And he, he finally picks out this wand and says, I wander. Yeah. Or, and, and, you know, does this whole thing. And he knows where the holly wand comes from. He knows, you know, the phoenix feather, the fox is folding much. Why didn't he try that sooner? I mean, maybe it was in the back of his mind. Maybe It just came to him. It just came to him, maybe. No, maybe maybe it was about a hundred wands down the down the aisle. He went to try the other But one. also, couldn't it be that, I mean, like, squibs don't have any magical properties. Couldn't it be that squibs can't get wands? That could be one reason. I mean, I know they say that you can do magic without, you know, a wand, but you can't do, you know, you can't be a, you know, like a, a proper powerful wizard without one. It's like, you know, even though Joe says that magic comes from within you, you need a, a wand to centralise it and focus it. Could it be that, you know, if, say, Filch goes into a, goes into Olivares, that there would be no wand for him? And that could be part of the reason why he's a scoop. I don't know. Well, there's, there's that, but there's also this other thing, Jamie, about this whole wand thing. Some people use their father's wand or their brother's wand. Like, you know, Ron... Even when Ron started off, he wasn't using he yeah. was using Charlie's wand, wasn't he? Yeah. So and then it, yeah, then it he broke. Was. So he kind of got one. So it's really interesting how it could be genetic. Just, then you mean genetic? Genetic. I, mean, I mean, it could be anything because people don't even need to go into Ollivanders and get wands. You know, they can use their brother's yeah, wand. Yeah. Their, you know, or maybe it was that Ron's family was too poor to buy him his own wand. No, that's so what it is. He said. Yeah, I know, but but then Charlie Charlie needs a wand of his own, right? But the wand it didn't function properly with Ron, though. But do you think like there are some wands which you just can't use? It just doesn't suit you at all. Yes, like I do. if Harry I used do. Voldemort's I... wand. Oh, so, 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 sorry, if um, Hermione used Voldemort's wand, it's a powerful wand that's been used for evil. Could she really, you know, wield that power? Or if Neville used it or something, I just don't know if they could do it. Well, here's my two cents. I think that saying that there is one wand for one wizard is like saying there is one person you can be friends with or there's one person that you can fall in love with in this whole world. And I just, I don't think that's true. I think that there are different wands that can suit you and it also can depend on how you've grown as a person. It might change later. Well, I only love Ben. Ben. Using the love analogy, you know, you can like, you can have people that maybe you fall in love with and stuff. But maybe there's only one true love. Maybe there's only one wand. <laughs> you, Ben, for me. I love you, Ben. The Actually, Ben, Ben, you. this is a perfect uh, moment for this. I've been meaning to ask you this for a uh, f- for a while now. I'm afraid I can't get down on one knee, but um, Ben? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben, ben, Carlo, Shay. <laughs> Carlo. <laughs> will, you, will, will you marry me? Can I be the flower of girl? Of course, Jamie. Oh, course. yes. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Can I be the best uh, man? <laughs> Eric, you aren't doing the speech. Eric, you are not doing the speech. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely oh, not. Come on. Okay. No, but one final thing on this voicemail question. It's gone on and on and on and on forever. Uh, I wonder what JKR's like position way. on this whole wand thing would be, considering yeah, she, did, really she did make out. effort to characterize uh, James and Lily's wand, you know, as, you know, good for charms or, you know, very swishy, very pliable, good for this, good for that. And so Ollivander did kind of classify what wand was, you know, what 
for his parents. And so it's just interesting to see, well, what happens and is one wand, you know, does a, as a person changes, does another wand suit them better? And what's the deal with that? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Somewhere out there, Joe, I know you're yeah. listening. You listen to the... I'm sure Answer she turned it off website. when she heard the marriage announcement, though. She's like, oh, crap. They're proposing <laughs> to each other. It's time to stop. Next voicemail, Ben from New York. Hi, this is Ben from Buffalo, New York, and I was had a question about the Pensies. Um, when Harry and Dumbledore try to convince the Muggle commu- the magic community about Voldemort's return, why can't they put Harry's memory in a Pensieve and show the Minister of Magic? Thanks, I love the show. Bye. You can. I'm sure that you can fake memories. If I think that I I can fly away to a castle and I'm picturing it now and I'm picturing myself freezing freezing my ass off, flying to a, to a castle, thinking I'd love to be at the nice warm castle now, I'm picturing all the imagery and everything, I could put that into a pensive, I think. Or could you? Or could you? Look, look to Half-Blood Prince, where Slughorn tries to modify a memory that Dumbledore has, because he doesn't want Dumbledore yeah. to find out that he told Tom Riddle about the Horcruxes. So I don't think you can truly but, forge but a memory. The though. thing is, that's an extremely badly done, obviously, you know, uh, attempt at... at um, changing his memory is it that he's just a bad memory changer or is it just exceptionally difficult or may- maybe if you truly believe that though i think maybe if you you know sometimes if you he obviously felt very strongly about it and and, and he got extremely emotional like if you reinforce a perception in somebody maybe they'll actually truly believe yeah. that they could fly away to england like you think and freeze their ass off yeah well, that's like saying if you use Verticirum and someone truly believes that they're telling the truth, will they lie or will they tell the truth? Like, no, no, it, it isn't because it forces you to tell the truth. It can't be subjective. The truth can't can't be subjective. It's just facts. It forces you to tell facts. That's it. But facts can be wrong. If you're brought up to believe... Fact about what you know. Fact of what you've been told. No, they can't be wrong. It forces you to tell the truth. It's magical. It can't be wrong. It forces you to tell the and- truth. Right, and the difference with a pe- with a pensive is that your memory your your memory is biased towards that your is point subjective. Of view. Your memory subjective. Yes, exactly. Whereas Veritaserum forces you to tell the truth. Obviously, that there are I mean there are obviously antidotes to it and ways to fight it. But if it catches you and ensnares you, then it forces you to tell what is the truth. Not just the truth as you know it, the truth. There's no t- subjective version of the truth. Yeah, exactly. Know, you that's, can't. That's you can't say. My truth is wrong. It it's a paradox. You can't say that. I was always under the impression that Veritaserum worked in the fashion that you tell the truth about what you know. Like someone yeah, could that's, have that's lied to yes, you about what you know. Yeah, someone you, could have lied to you, well, and you could be telling yes. them what they. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely. But that's all I'm saying, Jamie. Is that if you're brought up yeah. to believe? No, obviously, yeah. You know that you can't tell the truth. It's a false truth. You you could tell the truth that somebody had lied to you oh, no, so sorry that somebody had told you this and that and that this is what you, you know this is what happened but you, you couldn't say this is the truth because you don't know it's the truth you just say J- John Smith came up to me and told me that this is what happened obviously you know you can't add like and I thought this was wrong or I thought this was bad you just say this is I what happened I don't know where this is going what I wanted to say about this whole voice my question it's a narrative well, it, it, I think it, we it agree with each analysis. other analysis complete, it's complete narrative when I didn't even know. Okay, all, all I wanted to say was that it's the truth as you know it with Veritas here. But I think I don't think um, Vol- uh, you know the Minister of Magic or Fudge would have taken the time to like have Harry walk over to a pensive and put his emoji. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't like. I don't think he cares. I, yeah, I don't exactly, think he cares yeah. at all about you know whether it's the the truth or not. I think he just wants to incriminate Harry. And and he wants a response out of him, and he's he's not going to believe Harry, or you know, it isn't only that though. But sorry, sorry, go I, on, you know, go I just think he's going to believe Harry no matter what he says, or believe Dumbledore. You know, he's always trying to discredit him, and I don't think, you know, even if Harry could prove, could put his memory in the pensive, they they would have just said, oh, that's a false memory or some crap like that. You, but they've got to be scared of it being the truth as well. You know, if people trust pensive memories, then it would prove that the Ministry of Magic were incorrect. But also, they have to draw the line somewhere. Like, I mean, obviously, they use Veritaserum on, you know, the criminals and everyone like that to get uh, confessions and stuff. But there comes a point where you... I mean, I don't know. I just don't think they could viably use Veritaserum on an 11-year-old schoolboy, or however old he was at the time, without um, causing, you know, like an uh, an uproar. I mean, clearly there's corruption going on because I doubt that and I doubt that the public would approve of the use of Veritaserum 
you know, on every. I don't think the public like would that, know, but, but no, exactly corruption in the upper echelons of government. Ooh, Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just read that. You you know, I just Conspiracy read the Vinci Code and the Angels and Demons. Great books. Oh, good yeah. man, good oh, man. Your next books. book, Eric, is Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Read that. Uh, I'm on the Narnia. Isn't that the book the guy is like tried to sue Dan Brown? There's a hundred people. Yeah, um, Bajant and yeah, Lay did it. Or something. Uh, yeah, but he he won it. There were like he claimed that there are small inconsistencies. Like there's a uh, there's a character in the Da Vinci Code called Lay Teabing, and Teabing is an anagram of Bajant, who's an author of Holy Blood, Holy, Holy Grail, and Lay is a sorry, and uh, yeah, and Lay is the last name of uh, one of the other authors. And and there are other things as well. Like they reference Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Lay Teabing uh, references it directly in the book, and there are all other tiny things as well. But I mean, I just think it's based on it. You know, it's not. He, he hasn't actually plagiarized it. It's yeah, fat, personally, all this crap about Da Vinci Code, I think I Angels know. and Demons is a better book anyway. Uh, I thought da Vinci, so too. Yeah, Da Vinci Code just. Yeah, da, da Vinci Code rips awesome, off yeah. of uh, Angels and Demons plot. Like, completely, like, you know, everything happens the same. There's They're the, all the same, though. Yeah, exactly. The, and the assassin is, like, led to believe there's an organization. But it's, like, so many similarities. It's just. I prefer Angels and Demons. In it. But, Eric. But, but Eric, um, I thought the ending to Angels and Demons was a bit disappointing. I thought the Da Vinci Code was better. Mm, but moving on with the discussion, Jamie, what were you going to say? Perhaps it's just inadmissible in like a in their courts of law. Like you know, uh, um, over here, like uh, I don't know, um, just from the back of my memory, being being drunk isn't an excuse for um, for like criminal intent. So you can't you say can't plead you can't ignorance. Well, no, well, no, well, no it's it's more like it, it's more like if you if you get absolutely drunk out of your head and kill somebody that being drunk is no excuse it's absolutely no excuse whatsoever um, so you know it's just like I think it could just be like that you know perhaps a pensive isn't isn't like concrete enough next voicemail comes from Lauren and Alex from Florida hi this is Lauren and Alex from Fort Lauderdale Florida it has been said that nobody has ever seen a bogart in its original form however Mad-Eye Moody used his eye at Grimwell Place to see if a bogart was hiding in a cupboard there do you think he saw the Bogart in its original form, or did he just see his greatest fear? Thanks, we love the show. I think that would probably be... I, 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 I think it's doubtful that Moody would have seen the Bogart in in the form of his fear. I think he did see it as, in its original form, because the Bogart... The fact is, the Bogart changes based on, like, who it... You know, who it sees, they, you know, the bogger takes one look at you and figures out your fear. But I don't think the bogger can see through the cabinet, so... Yeah, but uh, go ahead. I'll go after you. <laughs> okay, well, if, if, if Mad-Eye Moody is downstairs and he looks up through five ceilings and he sees on the top floor or something that there's a bogger, I don't think the bogger's going to, you know, know that he's being looked at enough to change into his fear. Yeah, because the bogger doesn't have a magical eye and that's all it comes down to. It's not but, like... No, 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 it doesn't. That's not true. It's two points. Uh, number one... Uh, Mad-Eye would have to have seen a Bogart before to know what its original form was if he if he was to, you know, if it appeared in its original form here or he wouldn't know that it was a Bogart. So either um, he'd have to have seen one before, you know, to see that it, uh, that it was there in its original form or his um, eye can see, like, I don't know, the chemical makeup of something and he recognised it was a Bogart. Or it, I, I mean, I, I think personally what it comes down to is whether when the Bogart transforms into your greatest fear, whether it needs... L- line of sight to see you or whether it's you know sort of linked exactly telepathically or something or, or or if it can sense you sense you seeing it something like that and then it can turn into your greatest fear what i'm wondering is if a bug art is more like your own because it, it turns into your personal fear is it like when you walk around in the dark and you think you see things but they're not really there is it more of something that you do to yourself or is it something that the Bogart does to you? Oh, that's interesting. In Defense Against the Dark Arts class, in Prisoner of Azkaban, everybody saw the Bogart turn into a, uh, a spider for Ron. Everybody saw the Bogart turn into the moon. True. The for, it's not it like everybody them, saw yeah. their own fear mm-hmm. by looking at the Bogart. So I think by that very definition, then, when you look at the Bogart, it isn't what you see. It isn't your fear. You know, because it, I think it's, it's, the, what it's the Bogart's okay. choice on who to turn into and what to turn mm-hmm. into. Even though, uh, yes, but even though... Lupin said that the way to uh, to you know to kill a bogger is a uh, laughter, so it doesn't know who to you know to to hone in on. How does it decide who to hone in on? Does it prey on the weak, or does it? I mean, what happens? What happens if a person can't 
get rid of the boggart in time if it can't ridiculous it into hell. <laughs> I mean, like, in uh, in the film, when I think it was Pavati had the rattlesnake, she, she just cast a spell just before it, uh, it uh, strikes. What what would have happened if she'd, like, dropped a wand or if she couldn't strike it in time? Or if she couldn't uh, get rid of well, it in time? Well, she probably would have... Well, look at what happened with Molly. She she was crying on the floor, you know, next to the, the dead Weasleys or whatever that she saw. Can it hurt you physically? Can it, hurt you, can it hurt you physically? Well, to answer the first part of your question, I think this is what you're asking. Um, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it transform into the yeah, first I, I person so that too. it made eye contact with? It, yeah, but if it's eye contact, what happens if everyone keeps their eyes? Yeah, but... If everyone keeps their eyes closed, then it still fits in with the thing that no one's ever seen a boggart, you know? Yeah. Because if they have their eyes closed, they can't see it, but as soon as they open eyes, you know, as soon as they open their eyes, they do it. But that leads on to something else, that do the boggarts in their changed form share the original powers of the thing that they transform into? I mean, obviously the Dementor did, but... And also, do they have any allegiance apart from scaring the person who they, uh... Who they turn, who they try and scare? Because like, if if you could sort of like, if you were terrified of Voldemort and it turned into Voldemort and you could like, you know, tame him, couldn't you use him to fight against the, the other side or something like that? I don't know. It's it's a really interesting topic though. I think I, I think it just looks like what I mean. It might have some characteristics as far as being able to like slither if it's a snake, you know, something like that. But as far as being Voldemort, I don't think it has his memory or anything like that. I just wanted to say that I I think. It is its original form. I think Moody saw it in its original form, and I don't see why that's even a question, considering he's an R. He, he, he's an R. He's, you know... He, you're an R. You should have seen one before. Because he must have seen one before. Because he, he had to have seen one before. Not necessarily. Well, how do you know it was a boggart? You could have read it in a book, or... You could have read it in a book, or you could, someone could have but described if no one's it to ever you. Seen but didn't one, Lupin say that no one's like, ever seen one before? Has it been said didn't that Lupin no one ever no sees one? Yes. Remus Lupin Yeah, I think he does. It does. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I, I think I think Moody saw in its original form, and I think as an R-er, it just you seemed... should you know, be able to trust that he's seen one before, and I, yeah, I don't... I think it's because I think it's strictly the bogger's choice who to turn into, and that it wouldn't be able to tell until it came out of the, you know, closet. That, you know what it could turn. I just think that makes sense to me, because everybody, because everybody saw someone else. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a special circumstance for Manai because he can see through walls, and bogarts. Who's to say that bogarts can see through walls and? If they had to make eye contact with you, and he wasn't making eye contact with them, then... I mean, it, 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 it was seen in the movie that. You know, the bogger kind of knows ahead of time. Like, it comes out of the closet dressed as Snape, or something like that. Like, it comes out of time. And, and by the way the movie works, you can kind of guess that it might know ahead of time. But I think they did it in the movie that way because they didn't know what exactly. the bogger looked like. I think that's a, I think that's a movie-ism. A I, I think that's just... Actually, in the book, Snape did come out of the closet. They didn't see the bogger itself. But maybe he heard them talking. I, I, I don't know. I just think if, you know, if you stare at uh, a boggart from, you know, a thousand feet away with a magical eye, it shouldn't know to turn into your thing, because everybody saw the fear turn into one specific right. fear. Not everybody, it's not like the boggart was in front of everybody, and everybody saw it different. You know, it's, it's not. We're all, we're all in agreement that it has to look at you in the well, eye, Well, does right? a boggart have eyes? That's a good question. Does it have eyes? I don't know. Maybe. Well, it has to look it's at a magical you somehow. Creature. It, it, Why does it have to look, it has at, to look you? at you? It can, some, be, it can be like a, it's a magical creature. Yeah, and it, sense it, your fear. It is a magical creature. Because what if there's a group of people in the room? Then how does it decide which I one to I don't think it has into? anything to do with if you have a group of people. I think you can sense different people's fears and, you know, just a general... So how does it decide who to turn into first? I don't think it matters. Whoever's closest to it, whoever it can sense closest. Which comes first, guys? The boggart or the fear? Well, see, that's that's kind of what I was wondering. What happens if you have no fears? Uh, you, uh, nobody has no fear. You have no fears. Yeah. You what? Ha- yeah. Everyone, Everyone has a fear. Everyone has to. Even if it's a fear of fearing. Everyone. Yeah. Everybody. Has I think. Fear. But but theoretically, theoretically, if you're afraid of nothing, what if Mad Eye has then no fears? What immortal, if he's just man. absolutely afraid of nothing? What does then that he would mean, see then? it in its true does, form. And he that, would see nothing. Would he all? Exactly. So, is it possible that? If Moody has no fears, it doesn't matter whether or not it would turn into anything because he would see it that way anyhow. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, we're going to leave uh, this question open for now. 
we're just there's just not enough information we're to make actually leaving something one open. of those questions where we're like well we do sometimes <laughs> there is safe baby now it's time for this week's favorite segment where uh, actually this is the second installment of our favorite segment where we pick a little topic in the Harry Potter series and we say hey my favorite is blank Eric since you're new to this one you started it off well not when and not after you introed it uh I said, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> this this week's topic. Sorry, this week's topic is favorite Harry Potter book. We oh, by the way, uh, thanks to everyone who su- submitted their favorite blank ideas. We're gonna put them all to use, hopefully. So, favorite Harry Potter book. Let's go around the table, Eric. It was after I read book five. I said to myself, you know, what did I think about this book, and do I think it's better than? Three, because I knew three was my favorite at that point. And I said to myself, "You know, is this book truly better than three? And actually, what I decided was yes, that book five was going to become my favorite book. But it never did. I I always knew that I said it was better, but like from weeks on, I'd always say three was my – and it just makes no sense to me. So I don't even know if I'm – I'm like a traitor to my own decisions. I'm going to say book three, but it's probably not even true. Oh, jeez. Hmm. My favorite book would probably have to be Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It's just so book four. it's just so intense. I don't know as I as I read it, it just keeps me on the edge of seat for, for most of the novel. And just the, the part at the end of the chapter where Lord Voldemort rises, when it says, "Out of the cauldron stepped a tall, thin, like man." Lord Voldemort had risen again. That part, I about like jumped out of my chair and started jumping up and down, sort of punching the air. That's how excited I was. <laughs> Woo, Voldemort's back! Woo! It was just so intense. Ben, that wasn't even... It was such a build-up. It was great. I'll have to say that my favorite book was ben, Harry Potter and the any... Order of the Phoenix. One, because of its length. I really enjoyed how long it was, because, especially during the summer, it actually took me... <laughs> it's embarrassing right what here. I... I, yeah, this is going to be embarrassing. I bought the book, but then, like, after that, I just, like, I wasn't... This is before MuggleNet and everything, so I just wasn't into, like... All right, I'll start reading. I didn't read it until... I didn't start reading it until a week after I bought it. And I was actually there what for the middle of release. Blast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know what happened. I think I might have been sick, actually, but... so. Then at once I started reading it, I would sit in my living room. I never so much spend so much time on a couch reading because the book was so long and then it was just Umbridge. I just love Umbridge and how angry she made me and if there's a book that can create that much, much emotion in me or anyone else I think it's I loved book. hoping that I could kill somebody. <laughs> You've already had I loved yeah. fathoming death. I loved right, contemplating. I definitely yeah. Eric, I, I definitely have to anymore. agree with Ben and say Goblet of Fire for a few reasons. The first and foremost one was that the summer Goblet of Fire came out was the summer I moved to Georgia from Texas, and I knew absolutely no one. To coming. And the, yeah, to coming, no less. And <laughs> You don't want to give out your oh, location. Oh, no, I live in coming. There's three people. She's one of three people. <laughs> it's, not, it's on a map. Andrew, but it's not it like on a really map. it was really the only thing I had to look forward to that summer, and I was so excited because I had heard it was going to be so long. And I just had this visual of me having this book to keep me busy all summer. And in the end, you know, it only kept me busy for three days. But I can't really describe what it is I love about it so much. I just – I look at it and I look at my other books, and this one is torn completely to pieces. <laughs> it's got pages falling out, and the cover's all torn, and – it's the binding is completely shot, and I just loved it because it was such a turning point in the series, and it really meant a lot to me. So I I just want to point out that I'm last again. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, um, sorry. I think um, I love Half Blood Prince more than all the other ones put together. I just think it's so good. I just love how the opening and I, and I just love how it's so dark and it's so serious. I love the serious side I mean don't get me wrong I love like you know the wands and buying buying the out but buying Hedwig and buying all the magical stuff I just love the dark side I think it's so good and um, it's weird because um, when Chamber of Secrets came out that was my favourite then when Prisoner of Azkaban came out that was my favourite then Goblet of Fire was my favourite Order of the Phoenix I absolutely loved but then Half-Blood Prince I thought I just was just absolutely amazing so yeah Half-Blood Prince easily it blew blew the other side of the water literally it pulled out an AK-47 and just Tore them to pieces. Literally, <laughs> it, seriously, it didn't. It didn't leave a shred yeah. of paper. It cost me a fortune uh, to, to to replace them because it yeah. just kept doing it. 
<laughs> then that was Jamie's British oh, no, no, I said another one. But yeah, um, yeah. Prince, and I hope when book seven comes out, I'm going to like that more. Yeah, does anyone think that they're going to just be blown yeah, away by book seven? Completely. I already think I will be. Okay, I mean, you know, actually I hope that book seven is the worst book in the series, you know. <laughs> You know, just, so you just, can just, be like, no, oh, I'm done with this. Yeah, just, just so I can reflect. Good thing it's yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's lost her touch. <laughs> All right. hope she hears that. Hope she I, hears. I'm sorry, Joe. All right, now it's time for okay. Jamie's British joke. It's a short one this week to make up for the essay last week. Okay, a mushroom walks into a bar and orders a drink. The bartender says, I can't serve you. The mushroom says, why not? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> 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 I, I thought it was uh, Jamie. I actually thought that your joke was going to be something about a stool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good too. Very good. Great. Okay. All right. Now moving on to look at this. We're just moving along segment after segment. Segment. Now moving on to this week's doing club. Uh, this is another user submitted one. I think uh, these creative ones are better than yeah. like Dumbledore uh, versus you know, Gandalf. We just match two characters up. Yeah. Here's another creative one. This one comes from Megan, 16 of Pennsylvania. She writes, Hey guys, really love the show. It's so obnoxious that I put in all the really love the shows. Yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, anyways, as I was listening to your latest episode, you mentioned the Dueling Club, and I thought a good match would be between Hermione and a young Lily Potter. What do you think? Keep up the good work. I think that Lily we don't Potter. know enough. I don't, think that, uh, I don't think that Hermione would ever fight Lily Potter. Well, that's that's not the okay, point, though. This is all hypothetically speaking. I think Lily's Lily's got Lily's got spunk, but so does Hermione. Like, if Lily were like, if it were like the Jerry Springer show, okay, and Lily said something about Hermione being a know-it-all or something, I think Hermione could prove her wrong. But think about the situation. Uh, Lily was born among two mudblood, or she's muggle-born. Oh, well whoa, 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 whoa. So born Andrew. God. Jeez. Yeah, muggle-born. Wait, God, you're so prejudiced. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Oh, oh, I see. You guys are trying to be courteous. Uh, what did you say, Andrew? What did you say? I missed it. I said mudblood. <laughs> Andrew? <laughs> These dorks are like, Andrew? Oh, don't say that. Mudbloods. They're both worth nothing Baltimore. anyway. Hey. <laughs> you guys are such a dork. Shut up. You work for the site, too. I thought I was actually using the... I thought I was using the wrong term. You made me feel all stupid. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway. Yeah, but think about the situation. They're both muggle-born, so don't you think Lily was just as excited about it as Hermione Yeah, but was? it just seems... I just think that Lily just seems like she had more power at that stage and that she knew more magic and she was head girl and everything. And even though and even though Hermione is so clever, she's... She think, I don't know. I suppose Lily was in the thing with Bob as well. But uh, I don't know. I just think that uh, I just think that it'll be Lily. I agree with I Jamie. Think she I also think ha- has it in her. Uh, yeah, there's like this whole this is whole extra reason that you you're not grasping, and I want to help you with this. Check this out. Okay, if Lily, all right, Lily and Hermione. Okay, Lily would totally blow her away for a completely different reason. Lily would use the old school magic, and she would totally school Hermione with the old school magic. That's true. Yes. Well, one advantage that I think. Lily would have over Hermione is cleverness to a point because whenever I read Lily's character, it just seems like she's far more socially savvy than Hermione is, and it's sort of. Are you trying to say she's thick? No, 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 no. I'm I'm trying to say, <laughs> I think that Lily knows more about people and their actions and why what lies behind them than Hermione does, and I think that Lily would be more likely to foresee something Hermione would do. So, to sum up, Megan, we can't even answer the question. That's how bad we are. <laughs> well, that's that's what I think the advantage is. I agree. If you're socially superior, you're going to have a mental advantage over your opponent, and mental and probably emotional. All right, so let's vote in Lily's favor. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up. I mean, if, instead of calling this segment uh, the MongoCast Heartwarming Story of the Week, we thought it'd be better to call it Chicken Soup for the MongoCast Soul. Which in the U.S. are books that make you feel better about yourself because of stories written by others. So, this one comes from Helen, 14, in New York. She writes, I have been very sick through the last few months, and your show has really helped me. I even listened to the show when I had some minor surgery and was partially awake. I am better now, 
and your show really helped me by giving me an hour of entertainment each week. Thank you. Hope you're feeling better soon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, Andrew, I love how you, I love how you read that really slowly. That was beautiful. I, I yeah, yeah I, that is a really nice story. I just want to say that my idol, ever since the movie Patch Adams came out with Robin Williams, and I've always tried to benefit people, uh, people's health with entertainment. They do say laughing is the best medicine. Except, except if like, except if you feel like you're broken. You've broken your leg and and, and you start laughing. It's not going to suddenly <laughs> bend itself. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have a really bad heart condition. That's our goal here at Muggle. Really that's our goal here yeah. at Mugglecast to, to save lives. To mend broken legs. That's what it comes down if to. your legs broken, just yeah. <laughs> find a page of or jokes and read them all, and you'll be walking in no time. Yeah. So, um, not not in that sense, Jamie. It like stimulates stimulates your something or other. Um, yeah. So ever since we've started this cute little segment, uh, we've been getting lots of submissions. So. Keep sending them on. Keep making us. No. Warming Keep... our hearts. Warming nah, you know, just do whatever. <laughs> 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 Next week on MongoCast will be chapter 11 of Harry Potter's Sister's Stone called uh, Quidditch. Anyway, so that does wrap up MongoCast 36. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. My phone's ringing too. <laughs> That's not my <laughs> phone. Ringing. Okay, anyone else want to say bye? No, that I'm waiting. To... I'm waiting to, to the end. I'm so used to going last. I'm just gonna wait. Go no, on, and, and, go on, Eric. Go, go before me. No, 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 Go before me. I refuse to outro myself until Jamie goes. Same here. Same here. This episode is gonna, gonna be like ten hours long because there's no. Where are you next? I'm waiting for Eric to go. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Eric, go. I already went. I said that's not my phone. Oh my god. Okay. I'm so I, sorry, Jamie. I'm Laura Thompson. Hey, thank you, Eric. I'm Eric Skull, and I'm Jamie Lawrence, last again. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you it's next so week clever, for episode Jamie. 37. And currently, I'm sitting in JFK International Airport, and I have about five hours to go until my next flight, but you guys just helped me waste an hour, over an hour. Thanks so much, Cats. Bye! Hey, Cats, this is John from Kansas. You guys are so cool. One day, I had a really bad day. When I listened to MuggleCast, it cheered me up. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Hi, this is Bridget from Arkansas. I know that Kevin just had his birthday, and um, Eric's is coming up, so I just wanted to give him a birthday wish. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Kevin and Eric. Happy birthday to you. I love you guys. Bye. Hi, this is Rashmi from the Caribbean, and I just wanted to wish both Kevin and Eric a happy, happy, happy birthday. I love you guys, and I love the show. And Jim McManus is set to play Aberforth Dumbledore in Order of the Phoenix, confirming that Dumbledore's goat-loving brother will indeed appear in the fifth film. Goat-loving. Sometimes you just can't write to anybody.